The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. For all of you who decided to garden for the first time this year because you were homebound because of COVID, you will too. And if you just have a, a kind heart, you'll love this story as well. About six years ago, David Benjesdorf and his wife bought 23 acres of land in Sturgeon County. They thought it would uh, someday be a hobby farm. But when the pandemic hit, the realities of what a lot of people might be going through started to sink in. And that is how the pandemic planting project was born. And it has gone on to provide a huge amount of food to the Edmonton Food Bank and the agencies that rely on it. Benjesdorf, who is a lawyer by day, is also the vice chair of the Edmonton Food Bank. And David joins us now. Hi, David. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Um, I've been following along with this over the past couple of weeks on, on Twitter and have absolutely just had this huge smile on my face. Can you take us back to April when the seed was planted? I guess pun intended, um, when you saw how busy the food bank was in March, that you started to think, okay, I'm going to do something with this land. Sure. Pre-COVID, in February and March of this year, the Edmonton Food Bank actually saw record high numbers. And so that was exclusively based on the economic realities that Edmonton and Alberta found itself in. And as discussions of COVID sort of trickled out and became more common, we began emergency planning, of course. And so we weren't sure what was going to happen at the food bank. We weren't sure if numbers were going to double or triple from already record highs. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to get food across the border. Um, We didn't know if we'd be able to have volunteers or any number of things or whether staff would be able to uh, work at processing plants. And so there was a lot of uncertainty. And so that was swirling around in my mind. And then when the province shut down March 17th, a lot of folks were working from home. Uh, my wife and I continued to work. Uh, our regular jobs were essential workers and uh, went to work every day, but we no longer had evenings or weekend a- events. And so mm-hmm. we did the typical things. We cleaned the garage a few times in the basement and then started to get bored. And so we started watching Netflix documentaries. And we stumbled across The Biggest Little Farm. And it's about an L.A. couple, called big city uh, couple, that left it all behind and started a farm in the middle of nowhere. And these folks essentially took a piece of desert and after six or seven years turned it into a, uh, an organic oasis. And and when I saw this, uh, a light bulb went on my head. And it, like instantly I knew what I would do with our land. We would create a vegetable farm for the Edmonton Food Bank. And so very few times in my life has something been so crystal clear in an instant. Crystal clear in an instant, but I think it's important for folks to know that you've never really planted anything before. This you, this was totally out of your wheelhouse. It, it was completely <laughs> out of my wheelhouse. And so when I started discussing the project for the first few days, most people said to me, maybe try three or four or 5,000 feet and see how that goes. <laughs> and you, they pointed out many times that I didn't know anything about it. And I thought... <laughs> No, if there was ever a time where the need was so great and the uncertainty was so high, it was now. And what's the worst that could happen? You know, things didn't come up and I'd be out some seats in my time. And so my enthusiasm essentially barreled a few people over and I was able to get a dozen folks that committed at least one to two days a week for me throughout the season. And then a number of other folks jumped on board for various special projects throughout the year. 
so you ended up planting seven acres? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it just never seemed to end. When, when I calculated it up, it was 9.2 kilometers of potatoes at the end of the day. Um, and so it was quite something. And, of course, we watched the Netflix series April 15th, and we had the uh-huh. whole garden planted May 15th, 16th. And Unreal. so... It was like drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> Every night I went home and I watched YouTube videos and read books and tried to absorb everything I possibly could. And uh, there may have been a thousand better ways to do something, but I just needed one right way and uh, and commit to it, and it seemed to work out for us. Hey, well, it seemed to work out really well. David, give us an idea. So you talk about, what, six and a half acres of potatoes. I think the haul has been so far, what... 100,000 pounds of potatoes? Yeah, the total haul, I'm still waiting for the file numbers, but just a smidge under 95,000, I think. Wow, okay, that's unreal. And 22 different kinds of vegetables? Yeah, in, in the main garden, we planted about a half acre and 22 different kinds of vegetables. And, and I tried to get a, a cross-section, but the biggest challenge for us is I decided to plant this garden at the end of April, early May, and there were no seeds available. Yeah. And so everybody knew they were going to do a garden this year. They had some time as well. And so I scoured uh, every uh, PV Mart and uh, grocery store, everywhere I could find seeds. I just started buying in across North America just to get enough seeds to, to get the garden planted. And so some of them wouldn't have been choices that I would have picked, but I was able to get the seeds, so they went in. So it sounds like you have a, had had a bumper bumper crop of potatoes, but what about the vegetable the other vegetables? Did some things not turn out at all? Yeah, yeah, there were some misses for sure, um, <laughs> and so we we had trouble with moths, with cabbage and um, yeah. cauliflower, mm-hmm. and so we didn't cover them fast enough. Was the the lesson there? Um, but most other things did well or, or very well, and then we're blessed to have great soil on our land, and so uh, that certainly helped. David Benjestorf joining me this afternoon, and you, and you received some great help from some folks around the community who have lots of experience. I mean, you talk about, you know, Dieter out at Kuhlman's who, who uh, offered up some advice as well. Yeah. What was amazing to me is the uh, the willingness of others to help us succeed. And so my initial go-to folks were Doug and Kelly Visser. Um, they have a project called Lady Flower Garden. Lady Flower. And so they have uh, five acres um, on the north side of town, and uh, they were a wonderful inspiration for me. They, of course, give their vegetables to the food bank as well. And so I touched base and I I explained to them what I was proposing to do and uh, they were behind me wholeheartedly. And so anytime Uh I had a question or a concern, they were my first go-to and then they started plugging me in with Dieter and others. And so the warmth and the passion and the excitement that everybody had for us in the project, they they wanted us to succeed. 
and that's not common and so i'm immensely grateful to those folks i mean it's like the gardening gods were watching over you this year david i mean you talk about how many people try to do a small garden the very first time ever and it fails spectacularly or you only get maybe a couple of tomatoes and an onion and here you are having planted seven acres <laughs> and having an unreal haul i mean it it really is something else yeah we we were blessed all around it and equally as as uh, exciting for us is, is the people we got to meet uh we met um uh brad and leanne smoliak and so yes. they've been out helping at the garden and have become wonderful friends and they have in turn uh, uh, made wonderful connections for us and, and sent volunteers and supporters our way and so we're meeting folks that we've never met before that share our excitement and passion for the project and so you know it, it, it's taken a, a tough position for all of us and created this little little bright spot a, a lot of us could leave our jobs behind for the day and go out to the farm and and just get away from it all and focus on doing something positive for for others so you would what harvest on on the weekend and then take take the take the vegetables to the food bank on monday morning is that what happened yeah our, our typical harvest time was sunday at four o'clock and then we'd spend four or five hours out there uh picking and processing and then I drive them to the food bank first thing Monday morning when they opened, and then they would typically be used by the food bank by the end of that day or certainly the next day. So it's interesting because I'm not sure that, that folks necessarily um, can comprehend how many places, agencies and food banks, that sort of thing, that the, that the food bank, or sorry, sorry soup, um, you know, soup kitchens and that, that the food bank um, supports. I mean, it's it's a couple hundred, isn't it? Yeah, it's about 265, give or take, at the moment. Wow. Uh, and all, all sorts of uh, inner city schools and 265 different agencies and a variety of other depots and other organizations. It, it's immense. So could anyone just plant stuff in their garden and drop it off at the food bank if they wanted to? Uh, essentially, yes. Uh, they will ask some questions and there are a, a few criteria they want to make sure that they get uh, quality vegetables that haven't had chemical treatments and some of that kind of stuff so th they want to make mm. sure that the processes are followed so that they yeah. they get healthy food choices at the food bank but assuming that's the case then then yes <laughs> looking back did you have some crazy moments <laughs> like oh my god what are we doing lots lots of those <laughs> I remember two weeks after we planted, we, we just planted 137 tomatoes and, and about, I don't know, 30 pepper plants. And so they were little plants. And we got snow. <laughs> and uh, I was watching the weather app about every 20 seconds. And then I'm like, oh, no. So after work, I, I stopped by Value Village and got 50 extra large bed sheets. And my wife and I went out that night and covered most of the plants. Mm -hmm. And it was cold and it was wet and our, our rubber boots were sticking into the mud and it was just a it was just a grumpy experience and I thought never again. And so that night I went home and watched YouTube videos on building hoop houses and <laughs> and uh we put sod in and and uh, some other things as well so it, every challenge created an opportunity and so 
some positives came from that as well. What about next year? What's the plans for next year? Well, I'm excited. I'd like to go bigger. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I haven't told my wife that yet, <laughs> so let's keep that <laughs> secret between us. Um, but the the excitement that, uh, that folks have had um, has really energized me. I remember the first big harvest day. It was about 8.45 in the morning, and I, I had the site prepped, and I was just waiting for volunteers to show up, and I wasn't sure if anybody would show up or how it would go, and I was just thinking back to the uh, Kevin Coster movie, Field of Dreams, mm. in, in the in the cornfield, and so would this be a disaster? Would it work out? And then, you know, 8.55, the first car shows up, and then a few more cars, and then through to 9.30, we had about 35 or 40 volunteers there, and it was like, if you build it, they'll come, and so... Mm -hmm. Uh, my thinking is if I go bigger next year, the, the volunteerism and the support in this community, folks will step up. And they're excited. Yeah. What, a, what an incredible way. I mean, you've done something to, to help, um, you know, people in the community who need it. You've, you've done something, and, and the team behind you has done something to help the food bank. But you've... you've You've also built this community and a sense of community, and that is really, really incredible. That, that, that's been so exciting. And so when I first started as a rookie in April, <laughs> I, I didn't even know... I didn't know that vegetables came from flowers in many cases. And so oh my gosh. every day I'm out there and I watch these beautiful zucchini blossoms open and close and then the vegetable formed. I'm like, oh, that's how that works. <laughs> and so it was this really naive approach to things. and and But I was excited about it. And then when folks started coming out, they brought their kids and they wanted to show their kids how this worked. And, and they were able to volunteer with their kids. And so... I got to teach. I never thought I'd be able to teach anything garden-related, and then that was really exciting. David, I'm pretty much out of time here, but is harvest done? Can people still chip in and help if they want, or they have to wait till next year now? Uh, next year. Um, okay. So I can be reached at uh, the planting, the P3 planting project. So it's P3 planting project okay. at gmail.com. Okay. And we'd love to sign folks up for next year. Oh, you know what? It just sounds so fantastic. David, congratulations on a really epic garden to, to first off, you know, just beginner's luck. I, I don't want to, I hope that's not, I hope that you continue to have great luck on this front and, uh, and just tip of the hat to you and your team and everything that you've done. I think it's a really, really fantastic story. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, take care now. David Benjestorf joining us this afternoon. Uh, if you want to find out more, the P3 Planting Project at gmail.com.